630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Who will it be for the Hart Trophy this season in the National Hockey League? Could it be Austin Matthews? Could it be Johnny Goudreau? Could it be Jonathan Huberto? Could it be a goaltender? Could it be a defenseman? Could it be an Edmonton Oiler? Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, both candidates. Our buddy Gene Principe from Sportsnet wrote a great piece about the race for Hart Trophy votes. He joined me on Inside Sports a few days ago, but we started off by talking about Gene's time working in television in Lethbridge earlier in his career. I was there 89 to 92, and I, I ran into, uh, you know, it's amazing um, when, you, uh, when, you, when you're at a game and you're, you're out after the game. When I mean out, I mean just going to your car or vice versa when you're walking in uh, to the arena. You meet so many people from all over. Like it's, I think sometimes, um, you know, I, I get it when we're on the road, right? You, you people are on the road and they're they're coming from all all different places. But sometimes when you're at a game at Rogers Place, you kind of think, well, everyone's kind of from Rogers Place area, Edmonton surrounding area. But it's amazing how many people I run into, and I ran into some people from from. Uh, Southern Alberta Medicine Hat to be exact. They're like, "What? Why is it so windy up here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know why it's so uh, so windy." But anyways, yeah, no, I'm I'm doing good and excited about what's been going on and how the team's playing. I mean, it's it's it's. I know they well, just say hold on, hold on. I got I got to ask you one more Lethbridge question because I don't know if I've ever, sure. if we've 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 dove into this. So uh, the WHL was already there at that time, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I covered the Lethbridge Hurricanes and and, uh, used to get to Medicine Hat. Uh, The year, uh, sort of the middle year while I was there was 1990 when Lethbridge, the Hurricanes, made it to the Western Hockey League final, but were ousted by a team that had Ray Whitney and uh, Pat Falloon, to name a couple, the Spokane Chiefs, who went on to win uh, the Memorial Cup. It was great. It was, you know, it was my first sort of... um, example of covering a team like we cover the Oilers, you know, like covering an NHL team, you'd cover practices, uh, you'd cover games, uh, post-game, pre-game. Um, yeah, it was it was a great experience of, of sort of learning the ropes at that uh, level before moving on eventually, lucky enough to get to the NHL. But uh, the Western Hockey League, it's, it's a great league. It's still as you know, produces incredible players. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really a nice, it was my, my springboard to, to Winnipeg, which led to Toronto, back to Edmonton. It was really the spot that, that gave me a chance to, to make that jump. So I uh, got, a, got a real good feeling for what it was like to work at Lethbridge. Uh, well, uh, 02, uh, it's like 30 years ago. Yikes. Yeah, a long, long time ago. Must have been really windy if that's still the first thing you remember about living there. <laughs> it was. I, I remember going to bed at night and going, and, and I'm a heavy sleeper. It takes me usually a good 30 seconds to fall asleep. And I was like, it's always windy here. But, you know, you, like anything, you like the cold or, or, or the heat in some places, you just you get used to it. And it was fine after a while. All right. Well, thanks for checking in because I, I did. Or you flew to Toronto just now. Like you yeah. just landed, so yeah, I did. I just, doing this. Yeah, yeah, I just landed uh, right around. Uh, well, I got your text. I think I landed at approximately. Uh, it was about an hour and a half ago, I guess. Hour twenty minutes ago, uh, left at just after two, and long enough to watch uh, a movie and uh, do some work and 
here I am in my home away from home, getting so close on the, to the Sports Night Studios. Who's with you tomorrow? Mr. Gazdick. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Great. He has, you know, I think one thing I've learned, Reed, and, and, and I've got the experience of a guy that I work with uh, even more often than Luke, and that's Louis. Uh, but Louis played, I think, 402 NHL games, which is a lot. Um, Luke, I think, I think Luke's at 187. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we, it's a, uh, just a general term. A lot of times we think a tough guy just knows toughness and it's so far from the truth. And Louis proves it every game and Luke's had a chance to prove that. Like when we sit there and just talk during the, uh, the play, when the game is going on during the periods, it's great just listening to him and, and, and understanding the experiences that he's had and uh, an ex-oiler and a very popular one. Uh, he's been a fantastic fit. Like literally you just, he, he showed up on set and boom, you're on TV. Uh, I, I kind of think that uh, that's a tough scenario, but uh, he's been in some tough situations and battled his way out of it. And that's what he's doing on TV. And I think he's been great. Yeah, no, you make a good point. I mean, and the, yeah, and I've had a chance to talk to Louie sitting in the stands at practice and the way he breaks things down and some of yeah. the things he notices is, is pretty cool. Gene Principe checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, you did some writing. Yeah. Gene's blog, Heart yes. to Heart Conversation. Yeah. And no, it is not a conversation about Richard Wagner. <laughs> was it, wasn't yeah. he one of the stars? Yeah, 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 with Stephanie Powers. You're, Stephanie you're Powers, right? I was trying to remember the, the female yeah. lead. Yeah, your older listeners will will remember Heart to Heart. It was a great show back in the, I would say, late 70s, early uh, 80s. And Robert Wagner always was, you know, kind of the, the sign of, uh, you know, he had the great, great hair, just kind of slicked back and very carried himself classy. And Stephanie Powers, they were like a detective uh, duo. Yeah, and I had a heart to heart to talk about the heart because that seems to be um, excluding playoff races and positioning, and especially on a night where there's only one game and Winnipeg is kind of keeping themselves alive. Um, it's been a big conversation, especially when you're in a city uh, that we're in and we've we've had the most recent Hart Trophy winners. Um, yeah, it's a great topic to discuss and it's a, it's a real deep field. It's like the Kentucky Derby here or the Belmont. Like, there's a lot of horses in the race right now. Yeah, I, I like the way you wrote it and uh, it's on the Oilers website if people want to check it out. And it, it is a fun conversation to have and obviously you have some uh, regional discussions uh, about it too and the Oilers are unique because I think you could say they have two legitimate contenders for it. Yeah. Uh, like as, as you got writing this, did you have to kind of okay, I can't mention all 12 guys who might be in the conversation. Yeah, like I had to, I had to pare it down a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I honestly don't remember this deep of a field. And, and, and I think, as mentioned in the article, sometimes, and, and Connor was, when I say guilty of it, he, he lived it too sometimes, or he'd have a great year and the team didn't make the playoffs. And it was... It was like, you know, he gets written off right away because, well, they're not in the playoffs. And, yeah, but who knows where that team would, would, would have been without Connor or other teams uh, without their Hart Trophy candidate. And, and it's interesting because it, it seems to me, Reed, the Ted Lindsay Award, which is, is kind of the player's equivalent because they, yeah. they vote on it, but the Hart Trophy 
to me, and no disrespect to Mr. Lindsay, God bless him, what, what a pioneer and what a player for the game of hockey, but it, it appears the Hart Trophy carries more cachet. I, and I don't know if it's the name, if it's people not... I, I'm not sure because really it, it would it would be like having the best media guy and the media guys voting on it or the or the public right in theory the media guys voting on it would would seem to give it more yeah. credibility. I mean the heart's but, been around longer, right? So it kind of was yeah. established as as the yeah award. yeah. It's just it's the award that you know I, if you if you were rating them, it seems like. Again, you know, I, you know, Ted Lindsay was unbelievable uh, player for a long time, tough guy and, and skilled scorer with the Red Wings and so on and so forth. But it, the Hart Trophy seems to just have this allure to it that the Ted Lindsay Award doesn't have right now. Maybe it'll have it. Uh, but, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting conversation. I do a lot of reading, as do you read uh, and watching, uh, but I do a lot of reading of other teams' uh, upcoming opponents for the Oilers. And... Um, you know, in between what I read and what I watch, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like usually it's been a two or three person race for the most part. Um, but now, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know where where the voters uh, lie with what they think will be the determining factor in, in their voting that will give us the, the final three and eventually the winner. Yeah, it is good. Now, I guess there isn't anybody, correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm just double-checking this thing. I don't think there'd be anybody on a non-playoff team that oh, would be no, considered I, this, not, I, not this year. Like, there's not, not one of those guys year. where it's like, well, he's got 60 goals, but his team's in last place, so do we pick him? Like, everybody is a on a good team this yeah, year. I, mean, I, I guess exactly. Nashville I mean, would be the closest team to be an out, but they're going to make Yeah, it. that's that's the quote-unquote worst team, you know, and Yossi, uh, you know, listen, if he he's at 87 points, uh, there's an outside shot uh, that he could get to 100. If he gets to 100, you're like, yikes, that's a lot of points for a defenseman. Um, Austin Matthews, you know, certainly if he gets to 65, but even reaching 60, there's a, that number kind of hits you. And that's why I wrote in the article, like, and, and listen, I'm biased. Uh, I'll admit it. Um, I, I don't. That's why I'm kind of glad I don't have a vote. Uh, I, I, listen, it's hard not to watch Connor and Leon and Gold. How can these two guys not be that? the Hart Trophy winners almost every year, and they've got the numbers to back it up. Not, it's not just, uh, hey, I, I like them. I like watching them. Um, but I, I really think for Connor, uh, in my opinion, if he hits 50 goals, uh, that's because, that's you know, if he hits 50 goals, he's likely going to hit about 125 points, I'm thinking. He's kind of in that, what's he, a 108 right now, I think, if I remember my article correctly. Um so. So, you know, going at he should hit 120, um, probably a few more if he gets to 50 goals, because that's another eight. So, uh, you know, if he gets 50 goals, 125 points, I'm thinking that's pretty hard to beat. And the team is having a great season. But, you know, Matthews the other night, I thought this guy's going to get like seven goals tonight, the way it's going. He had two goals in the first, like, 10 minutes of play, right? He was at 59. Now, again, if he goes cold... 
And, and, he, and let's say he doesn't hit 60, which would be unlikely. But if he hits 60, 61, 62, I think Connor's 50 matches. If he gets into the 65 plus range, you know, so it's it's so great to discuss. You know, Jonathan Hubert set a record for left wingers in assists. I mean, he's having a great season. He plays for Florida, which doesn't maybe get the respect that it's due. Uh, we got a guy not far from us that's having a heck of a year, uh, you know, and Johnny Gaudreau, and, 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 and I don't even mention the goalie, whose name I have trouble pronouncing. I get the Eagles part. Yeah. Easy for you to say. I mean, you look at his numbers, and, like, wow. Uh, so it, it's fantastic, and I, and I think the vote splitting is going to be interesting because uh, usually you'd have all these voters um, – Picking three guys, like I think picking the three finalists probably wasn't that difficult uh, when you looked at the tallying of votes and, you know, for first, second, third, fourth, fifth. But this year, I have no idea where they're going with it. And if a guy who watches uh, Roman Yossi a lot, how can he not maybe pull for Yossi a bit more thinking, wow, he's going to end up with, let's say, 96 points. I'm going to pick a number. Uh, but, you know, if he hits 100 and, and Matthews hits 65 goals and Connor hits 50 plus and 125 points, or for that matter, Leon gets into the 55 to 58 goal range. I mean, the numbers are, are crazy. Like it's, but crazy good because it's so exciting to see so many people have a shot at the Hart Trophy. That is one of the good guys. One of the good guys. Always love seeing him at the rink. That was Gene Principe. The best of Inside Sports will continue with Richard Zokel. Hope you're having a great day. Scotty Scheffler won the Masters on Sunday at Augusta National. Former pro golfer Canadian Richard Zokel has played the course. Well, I think everyone who's, who's a, who, who knows a little bit about the Masters, they get enough reinforcement that the, what everyone says, the first thing you do when you walk onto the property is you look down on the ground and you go, is this grass real? It, it's so perfect it looks like it's artificial. But once you get past that, then you, when you look around the golf course from coming out of the clubhouse, you see this massive elevation change. You know, from the 10th hole is to your left, it goes downhill very steep. The 18th hole right beside Decided, goes looking backward, but you know, from the green back goes um, downhill, so it's upward as you play the hole. The first hole goes down in a big gully, so you're you're quite shocked with the massive elevation change on the golf course, and that in itself was the issue to, that that uh, is going to be the main issue that Tiger is going to have to deal with, and how is he going to get through this this difficult walk on you know four rounds in a row. The, a lot is obviously made of the greens. We, we saw Neiman with that eagle today. Uh, I mean, I guess he had backspin on the ball, but I, I think the slope on that ninth slope, green. Yeah. Uh, right. So, so are are they subtle when you're actually putting? Are, are they subtle breaks, or do, or are they you know you see how sloped it really is? I'm just curious about the view when you're actually putting. It's really scary, actually. I remember the, you're standing on the green, and it's like you're on linoleum. They're so quick. Your senses just get freaked out because you're not, you've never walked on, 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 ground, on the grass that's so firm, and you know it's fast, and you hit it soft, and it goes racing by the hole. And so it's quite shocking. And then when you, you have a lot of putts that are, have massive you know, um, shifts in elevation, just like the, the the shot you talked about, Neiman, 
Um, you know, he had a little backspin on it, but it's the slope that brought it down. I remember on that same hole, the ninth hole, which is one of the most severe ones, Danny Halderson had a four, and the pin was on the front, and he had it about five feet above the hole for par. And he knew that he, if he didn't miss it, that ball would not only just miss the hole, but roll off the green and then down the fairway, and that's exactly what happened. And, so, and then there's a lot of putts, like on 13 in particular, that if you've never played the hole before, and you're trying to read the green, it does the opposite. And you're just dumbfounded for the longest time. And that is one of the reasons why, if you haven't played the golf course um, before, it's very difficult to have a lot of success when you haven't had a lot of experience on the golf course. Yeah, well, I, I know that look from watching the Masters over the years. A guy hits a putt, and then he looks at his caddy, and they kind of can't believe it. <laughs> They're in shock. I what? mean, particularly the 13th hole, you're just like, you can hit that putt, and it just, you, you just, it's like your eyes are lying to you. And, and there's not, there's not many courses that do, I've ever experienced that to do that. You What you see is what you get, but not necessarily around Augusta National. Now, for the most part, though, if, forgive me if I'm, if I'm wrong here are, are the fairways not relatively wide though for a, a, a pro course they are they are they, they are they're, they're very generous they're and and the you know decades ago when i played there was no rough so it was just kind of uh, you know they brought in a second cut um i probably about 15 20 years ago but they are they are quite generous Always good to catch up with Richard Zokel. Great stories, great insight. This is a best of edition of Inside Sports. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. He is always entertaining, always insightful, full of energy, loves his city, loves his team. Jed Roberts is up next. Hockey on your radio tomorrow. It's a 12.30 face-off show. It's a 2 o'clock puck drop. It's Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. It's the Oilers against the Vegas Golden Knights for the fourth and final time this regular season. Still a possible first-round matchup in the Pacific Division. We'll see if uh, Vegas can keep charging and maybe overtake the Los Angeles Kings. The Oilers still in second place and uh, looking good to finish there, but still a little bit of work to do. We're counting down to uh, Edmonton Elks season as well. A lot of changes for the club in the offseason, including a new look on the helmet. And they unveiled these in early March with a very special video narrated by a very special E alum, Jed Roberts. Here's how that sounded. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a logo that's synonymous with Canadian football excellence. Fourteen Grey Cups and counting. Fifty-two Hall of Famers. For decades, we've proudly worn the green and gold into battle. Proud of who we play for. Proud of where we call home. And proud to be part of a great tradition. The logo on our helmet meant doing things the right way. The Edmonton way. It needed no explanation. Take one look, and you still know what it represents. Legends like Moon, Kepley, Gizmo, and Ray, forever bonded by the double E. Two letters bridging a glorious past with an exciting future. It's time for the next chapter. It's time for the next double E dynasty. know that voice 
That's the narration for the video the Edmonton Elks put out yesterday with the new helmet with the uh, giant green double E on the gold background. And, of course, it was Jed Roberts serving as the narrator for that video who checks in now. Jed, you sounded great, man. How did you enjoy doing that? <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. But now that you played that, i got to go outside and snow, uh, shovel the snow off my garage roof because I'm all fired up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What, uh, uh, hit somebody. Tell me about tell me about being asked to do that, and then uh, the the process. You know, like multiple takes. Were you a one take, Jake? Like, how did it go? I, I'll be honest with you. Um, when they asked me to do it initially, uh, I thought they were crazy because um, I've never really thought of myself as a voice actor. You know, um, not really. I don't think really my voice is the first thing that comes to mind when people think of of me anyway. But anyway, I was like, okay, I'll roll with it. I was thinking, you know, there's guys like Blake Dermott or Rod Knopp or, you know, Marco Sinclair that have been around for a while that they could have asked. I mean, they could have asked Gizmo, but nobody can understand what the hell he's saying, even at the best of times. And his translator's on strike, I think. So um, so they, they asked me to do that, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, Christine, like, what do you what do you think? And she said, "Well, you're gonna have to slow down." So they sent me the script, and uh, I practiced with Christine for about half an hour, forty five minutes, and did about three or four or five, yeah, about five takes. And her thing was just to slow down, you know, because the first time I read it, it was like I was done in like you know fifteen seconds, and she's like, "No, that's not gonna work. You're gonna have to slow down and emphasize like the names and." Um, really kind of take your time and sort of linger on certain syllables and stuff. Like, I've never done anything like this, so this was a little bit intimidating. So she said, yeah, that sounds good. So then I went in, I think it was about two or three days later, down to the director's room in the uh, stadium overlooking the field. I took my sons with me, and they were kind of looking over the field while I was doing it. I had a chance to look at the, the helmet while I was doing it, and just to see the old logo on it was just really cool, you know, and... Uh, so as I did it, it actually, it just worked out that I did it in the first take. It was done. Like the guy, Evan was really, really Evan was, was kind of funny because he looked at me and he just started laughing. He goes, that sounded so good. You know, and he goes, well, can you mind just doing a couple more takes? Just, you know, just for the heck of it. And so I think I did about three or four more takes, but he said, really, I nailed it on the first take. So, and, and I got to be honest with you, when I, I did it, I wasn't expecting it to be all that good because I was like, well, how good can it be? Right. So, but then when he, when they posted that video and they had the, the montage and, you know, you see, you know, when I said the names, you know, Danny Kepley and Gizmo and Ricky Ray and Warren Moon, like, it just, it was just amazing. Like, I mean, Evan and Victor and, and Dave Jamison wrote the script. I mean, those guys just, uh, it's just amazing. Like, I haven't seen anything like that come out of that uh the media department in quite some time. Like I haven't seen anything that the production was make was yeah. I'm just I'm still savoring it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be a part of that. Well, that's awesome. You're so excited about it. And it, it has been an interesting off season for the Elks Jet. And, and I mean look, we both know how, how poor last season was. Uh, three guys in very important positions got fired and, and as I said, I'm you know, even the day they got fired, we'll talk about it, but I'm not gonna dance on their graves. They they tried for different reasons, it didn't work out and 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 they were asked to, and they were asked to move on. But there's a certain um, 
I've only interviewed him once, uh, but I, you know, I see all the stuff he's doing on social media. Uh, there's a certain energy with Victor Kui. I, I wonder if, you know, I'm sure you've met him. I wonder your early impressions here of Victor. Or maybe you know, you know him from before. I don't know. No, you know what? I haven't. I actually don't know him that well. I, I have to be honest with you and say that uh, he reached out to me a couple months before he took the job. He just kind of came right out of left field and sent me a, a direct message on Twitter. Uh, just kind of asked me, you know, what did I think was, you know, just asked me a couple questions about what did what did I think was going on with the team and if if I had any insight into like what were my issues with what was going on and I was pretty honest with him and then he was honest with me like we had a pretty uh, interesting dialogue about motivations for you know people taking like director positions and stuff and then what the disconnect was between the directors the administration the team the community and and uh so then then I just kind of filed it away right like I have conversations like that with people all the time online and I don't really think anything of it but I mean I looked the guy up and I was like oh he's the CEO of a major corporation and that was kind of an interesting exchange you'll see that every day and then all of a sudden his name came up and I was like well I'll be damned that guy was he was doing some research right so I mean and that just shows you like uh, how cagey the guy is you know and he's and it's, it's cagey in a good way you know cagey in a great way I gotta be honest with you the only person I've ever seen that has that similar sort of uh, energy uh, Pinball Clemens comes to mind um, Gizmo has the same type of energy Victor has a way of making you feel like you're the only person in the room with him you know and uh, he has uh, that kind of energy that you need to be in a position like that to be able to make like on the spot decisions and he really has his finger on the pulse of like how to how to turn something and there's really no sacred cows with him right like he'll do yeah he'll try anything you know and, and, and if, if it sounds like fun he'll do it you know and that's something I don't think we've ever had that energy here really you know to be honest with you and I think it's, it's he comes at a perfect time because you know we're just coming out of a worldwide pandemic I mean we're still in the middle of it but uh, we're also coming out of a some pretty tough economic times and you know it's an interesting time to be uh, part of this franchise and, and I think you know like Winston Churchill in World War Two, like he was the right man in the right time right and so Victor coming in here if you would have told me a year ago we would have a guy of Victor's pedigree running the franchise I would have told you you were crazy right so uh-huh. uh, just when you you know things were really really bad and we really had maybe 2,500 people in the stands you know you got Victor riding out of the sun just like Gandalf and Lord of the Rings you know <laughs> with the riders of here. <laughs> Well, you you got all the references tonight. And by the way, you tell me I'm crazy all the time, so there's no context for if I would have said that to you a year ago that he would have been running the franchise. But, but yeah. anyway. So uh, the, the helmet itself, um, like, I, like I like that it's like a giant EE. I always thought the EE in the circle was a little too small. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, and, and I thought you were very eloquent when you were on a few months ago, or I think, I guess it was probably last year or shortly after they changed the name, because you explained why you felt it was appropriate to change the name. Um, and, and I do think, it, well, I know for a fact there's still going to be antler imagery on the uniforms, and, and I actually like that elk logo. I was, I was never sure about the antlers on the helmets, uh, but just how did you feel uh, seeing the the ee on on the hill because like in that video like mookie and and heck were like emotional see, seeing the way it was on the helmet yeah you know it's just um i think what people 
people don't understand, and, it, and it's not that I, I don't think it's. I think sometimes people misunderstand, like when when the franchise is doing something like this to embrace their history or their tradition. It's just a a way to say, hey, look, this is what we have. This is where we came from. Now let's let's walk together for together. You know what I mean? Let's walk walk into the future together with this new. You know, you know, we've got the Elks logo. Let's let's embrace the the tradition. I mean, this tradition that teams would kill for. You know, I mean, the the Stampeders I think only have like what five Grey Cups. You know, five or six, and 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 Saskatchewan has less than that. You know, so our tradition, I mean, speaks for itself. And and to just kind of completely break with that, that just didn't really sit well with a lot of the not just the alumni, but you know, people in the city. And and so Victor understands that. You know, what as long as they're talking about us, we still have a shot. You know, so he did a lot of uh, he, he conducted his own poll. Like I, I mean, the guy's amazing. Like I think he even talked about it yesterday online about yeah, I could have hired somebody to do a straw conduct a straw poll, but why would I do that when I can just do that myself? You know, and, and can reach just as many people. And, uh, and I'll be damned if he didn't do just that. So the guy's got something, and he's 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 he brings an energy. He brings uh, he brings an authenticity to uh, what he's trying to do. Um, he ha- he understands that it's all about relationships. Uh, the whole thing with the G- the Golden Bears that's a stroke of genius, man. Of course, why weren't we doing that? Like that's not that's something I've just never been able to figure out. Why we wouldn't try to promote the sport across all levels, right? You know, I don't even know why we don't open the stadium up and let the minor league football teams play, like the CDMFA teams. Like that's something when you had a little bit of that happening last year. I mean, if you want to reach the younger audience, you've got to you've got to make yourself a little bit more accessible. Like the days of like having that big divide between you know franchise and then the common man no those things are long gone it's like if you want to reach the audience you got to come to them you got to beat them in their living rooms you got to meet them through social media you got to do some things that are you know might might require a level of uh, discomfort that you know some of the old guard are comfortable with it like and the people that adapt and pivot are the ones who thrive the people that don't change are the ones who wither jed roberts double e alumni joining us tonight on inside sports he uh, narrated the video for the elks unveiling their new helmets yesterday uh you know speaking of the alumni as you mentioned Victor trying to kind of get everybody to walk together. I see that the Double uh, E alumni has a brand new Twitter account, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I don't know if you're behind that or not, but uh, I, I think that's cool. They're they're getting involved there. Yeah, uh, and you know I, I'm pretty lucky because through this job I've got to meet a, a lot of alumni, and some of them like you come on the show uh, semi regularly, which is cool. And I don't claim to know like there's a lot of you guys in Edmonton. I don't claim to know all, all of them, but I got I like to think I got pretty good relationships with a few guys. Uh, what is the, in, in your mind, just your opinion, what's the, what's the line for an alumni member in that relationship with the current team? Because I've, I've talked to alumni for the, for the double E and for the Oilers who have said, I'll come on your show, but I don't want to talk about the current team because I don't want to seem like I'm being a know-it-all or my era of players was better. You know what I mean? Like what, what, what is that line for you as an alum? I mean, we're all we're all the same. Like I've never. I'll tell you something. When I first came here, my dad told me to look this uh, a woman up by the name of Louise Hayes, and I actually billeted with her my first year. And she uh, she's an interesting personality in that she uh, used to be the secretary. 
secretary for the prime minister, uh, Joe Clark, for many years. Great contacts and all that. She told me something very interesting. She said, listen, the the, the average person doesn't understand the difference between an alumni and an active player. And it's it's us who create those divides. It's like active players and, and players that used to play that create those divides. And I think that good franchises like the Riders, uh, even the Stampeders right now with the way they take care of their alumni, um, there's no there's no separation there, you know. Um, and it's all one big family, and there is no division, you know. I mean, yeah, of course you're going to maybe hedge your bets and not say anything negative about the club. But listen, I was on social media there toward the end of the year saying I'm not going in that stadium until something changes, you know. And I, I, I did that a bit of a risk, you know, like I didn't want to – some pretty extraordinary things that happened by at that point, right? And I don't think a lot of those alumni would be willing to kind of speak up like that, but this is a uh, a tradition and a pride that's unmatched, you know, and I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating when I say I get emotional when I talk about that because that was my identity for 13 years as a player, uh, and then from 2002 until 2022, you know, I've been involved in many initiatives, you know, Football 101, and gone up to the Northwest Territories to represent the team as an ambassador, work with at-risk youth, and, you know, this is a community-owned team, and so the line is a little bit blurrier than it would be for, say, a privately-owned team where, you know, guys are kind of cycled in and out, and uh, you don't get a lot of uh, people sticking around and making their their home there after their careers, and that's something that I think Edmonton did a lot better than most, most teams. It was the flagship franchise for many years until about five, six years ago when things kind of started to erode and so i'm kind of excited to see the direction that victor's going to take the the brand while chris and chris jones and uh Roy do their work about getting uh guys bodies in there to to bring the uh product on the field back to where it needs to be so that uh, we can get people in the stands and keep them there hopefully Jed, I'm going to ask you a very blunt question, and I hope you don't mind me putting you on the spot. Uh, you're, you're very passionate about the franchise, uh, and you're very uh, opinionated, and I mean that as a compliment. Would you ever want to be a board member, like actually on the board of directors? Absolutely, I would. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the process of trying to figure out whether how to become a shareholder, and uh, that's something that absolutely I've got at stake, and you know, I care about it that much that uh, you know I want to have. Uh, say and then be able to uh, affect positive change in the community it's a community owned team right like and this is something that uh, we all have an equal say as a board as a as a shareholder and um, who knows what what the future holds for me i'm already 54 and i feel like i'm i'm 92 in the morning <laughs> so uh we'll, we'll see how that goes but i mean you know yeah we've had some conversations about that uh, me and some of the other guys that have been playing about trying to get in there and and just uh just remind people that you know this this is a this is a tradition that any team not never mind the CFO but football in general like this this type of tradition doesn't grow on trees it's it's it was built through on the shoulders of giants right Jack Parker you know Pete Laverado you know Larry Ruck you know those guys uh, they fought and they bled for this and this we owe it to them to to teach the younger generation coming in here what it means to play for the Edmonton Elks. So. Jed, well said. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. You, you should be really proud of narrating that video, and uh, I, I always get a lot of passion from you, man, so I appreciate it. I hope you have a great weekend. Hopefully I'll see you around soon, buddy. You will. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. That is Jed Roberts. 
Holiday Friday today. Hope it's been a good one for you and your loved ones. We'll wrap up our best of edition in a couple of minutes. Well, a lot of big saves and some big goals among the highlights for the Edmonton Oilers last night in their 4 nothing win over the Nashville Predators. But don't forget, a big hit early in the first period. Russell's been out of the lineup the last 10 games, so back in. Last game was March 22nd at Dallas. The puck gets flipped into the Predators' zone. Goes on to Carrier up the right wing. Oh, and a hit by Russell as he just laid into Granlund. Yeah, just uh, it was a D to D, and seeing the guys on his back end, it's just kind of a slow developing play, so it made it hard on that forward. So just stepped up and got a good look on him. We heard it from the bench. It was uh, quite the collision. He, uh, you can almost see him lining it up from uh, a couple seconds before. I mean, he, he's. He's known to do that once in a while, and uh, I mean, he read that play perfectly, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was a big hit. I think the guys on the ice had to, uh, everybody just stopped for a second, and they kind of went down and got a chance on that, but I mean, it was a great hit, got the bench fired up, and kind of, I mean, it was part of uh, what got us going early in the game. I haven't played for a while, so I want to step in and um, bring some energy. So um, it was good to start off with a hit like that. And then, uh, you know, I think our power player really got us going early with that big goal, and we just kind of went from there. Yeah, Chris Russell stepping up on Michael Grandlin. Some reaction there from Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well. We'll see if Russell plays tomorrow. He was in last night because the Oilers went with seven defensemen. Not sure how the lineup is uh, going to work against Vegas. It's a 12.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The puck will drop at 2. I will talk to you then. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Angie Quinnell, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Happy Easter. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.